Please pray with me. Everlasting God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations upon all of our hearts serve to glorify you. May they be in keeping with the teachings of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Athens, the eye of Greece, mother of arts and eloquence. So the poet John Milton once wrote of that ancient and venerable city. Walking her cobbled stone streets at night, it seemed like an apt description. I strolled past little cafes and open-air art galleries in the evening breeze, shops with their doors and windows open, peddling wares to tourists like me. The very air was electric, humming with culture and commerce as I wandered past street performers and magnificent sculptures, their contours bathed in the soft glow of street lamps. Athens is a modern city, but her thousands of years of history never feel too far away. Nine years ago, I traveled there with a group of folks from this church to traverse the hollowed footsteps of the Apostle Paul. Athens was our first port of call to be followed in the coming days by sojourns to Thessaloniki, Corinth, and crumbling Ephesus across the border of Turkey where I was swindled into paying several hundred dollars for an oriental rug that was no larger than a doormat. It was supposed to be an anniversary gift for my wife, but I think our cat liked it better than she did because he sat on it for a whole week and then threw up a hairball on it. There were greater treasures to be found in the Acropolis Museum, which I had the pleasure to visit. It houses vast collections of antiquities, as well as a veritable army of statues, monuments to ancient gods and heroes. A city as old as this can tell a lot of stories. From the Trojan War, commemorated in Homer's epic poetry, to the journeys of Paul recorded in our own scriptures, to the present day when you can buy the world's finest euro from a food truck on Adriano Street. Given its pedigree as one of the oldest cities in the world, Athens is a microcosm of the vast expanse of time and the lives that inhabit it. My hotel room had a remarkable view of the Acropolis, that collection of time-worn ruins perched upon a hill that overlooks the city. The Parthenon, temple of the goddess Athena, is the most impressive among them. Her columns still standing as Athena's ghost keeps watch over those streets that have seen millennia come and go. What would we see if we took a stroll down those avenues of history, exploring one city as it exists in time? Imagine a high-speed film of a city in motion, of paint peeling, grass growing, wars fought, Governments toppled and rebuilt, statues painstakingly carved and crumbled to dust in a matter of minutes. I wonder if that's how God perceives history. And perhaps if we can glimpse that long view, it can offer us a lesson about time that only a city as old as Athens can teach. 
430 years before Jesus was born, a horrific plague swept through Athens. It was worse even than what we are enduring in today's pandemic. The mortality was high and the symptoms were grotesque. You're probably thinking I'm going to describe them in detail, and believe me, I'd like to, but I'll spare you the details. After the contagion subsided, it returned just a year later in 429 and again in 427. The Athenian general Thucydides chronicled this grim period of history. I shall simply set down its nature, he writes, and explain the symptoms by which perhaps it may be recognized if it should ever break out again. This I can do as I had the disease myself and watched its operation in the case of others. While some, like Thucydides, recovered from the illness, the plague took nearly a third of the region's population. An Athenian society very nearly crumbled in the wake of this unprecedented catastrophe. As the disaster passed all bounds, Thucydides reports, men, not knowing what was to become of them, became utterly careless of everything, whether sacred or profane. They now coolly ventured and what they had formerly done in a corner. Law and order broke down for a while, and things were not looking good. Now this disaster unfolded right at the dawn of the Peloponnesian War. Just before the plague had spread, a contingent of soldiers was sent to subdue the rebel city of Potidia. A young infantryman named Socrates was among them, and when the siege dragged on for three years and reinforcements from Athens carried the plague with them, his entire unit descended into chaos. Now the siege was going poorly already, and food shortages and illness made things infinitely worse. Socrates alone seems to have weathered this crisis gracefully. According to ancient accounts, he subsisted on the little food that was available and he made himself as scarce as he could, maintaining as much distance as possible from his countrymen. That is, he did what all of us are supposed to be doing right now, keeping our distance from each other, making sacrifices, and being patient. Now, it may look like we are flouting all of the CDC's recommendations here in worship, with all of us sharing a podium in close quarters without any masks, but I assure you that we are taking a lot of precautions when it comes to recording this service. The six of us who gather here every week, myself, Kendra, Michelle, Paul on the piano, Deb and Trish recording the service, we all maintain at least six feet of distance from each other at all times. Our chairs are all spaced out and we map out individual routes to the podium. Deb and Trish are always wearing masks during the service. We've also moved the microphone uh, several feet away from the podium. And as for the podium itself, we each use an individual worship folder that really covers the entire surface. We're also trying to sanitize our hands before recording. And to top all of that off, I'm not even here right now. This is just a very detailed cardboard cutout of myself. The Greek biographer Diogenes once wrote of Socrates, 
He was so well disciplined in his way of life that on several occasions when the plague broke out in Athens, he was the only man who escaped infection. Indeed, history has its lessons to offer. With patience, discipline, and self-isolation, we can succeed in weathering this pandemic. There are things we can all do, choices that we can all make. We are not as helpless as we might be feeling. By the time the Apostle Paul journeyed across Greece in the first century of our current calendar, it was a very different place. Some odd 400 years had passed, the plague had subsided, and the Roman Empire had conquered the entire Mediterranean region. Unlike Palestine, uh, Rome didn't force its culture on the Greeks. On the contrary, Rome adopted much of Greek culture for itself. A lot of wealthy Romans lived in Athens, and they lavished their wealth on new buildings and infrastructure. On the whole, things were pretty good in first century Athens. Not so when I was there in 2011. In walking in Paul's footsteps, we found ourselves in the midst of the financial austerity of the early 21st century that had crippled the Greek economy. It was not the best time to be a tourist. In a number of industries, wages had been reduced, garnished, or frozen, and Greek citizens were regularly on strike. A number of the archaeological sites on our itinerary were shut down, trash was piling up along the sidewalks of Athens, and there was a growing sense of social unrest in the air. And worst of all, a lot of the restaurants were closed. One day, our tour bus stopped for lunch in a small town by the seaside, but just as we arrived, all of the waiters and cooks were abandoning their posts, the entire town descending upon the only bar that was still open to drink the rest of the day away. While most of my fellow travelers settled for what they could find in a nearby vending machine, I struck out on my own to find something more nourishing. I wandered the empty streets past shuttered cafes and shops, noting how different it had felt than when we'd first arrived in the country just a few days ago. Greece was in free fall, a rapid descent not unlike our own world right now. But after walking the narrow, labyrinthine alleys of this little town for an hour, I happened upon a restaurant that was still open. But I was the only customer. Suffice it to say, Greece had again fallen on hard times. As our trip wound down and we returned to Athens, the trash on the sidewalk was piled twice as high as it had been when we'd left. We paid a visit to Mars Hill, also known as the Oropagus, where Paul preached this very sermon from our text this morning. The site had been vandalized. Graffiti sprayed on one of the large boulders that inhabited the area. The vandal had written, cryptically, the sword is powerful, like its master. Naturally, I had my picture taken in front of it. <laughs> Paul, in his message to the people of Athens, reflects upon a different inscription, one that he found on a local monument which simply read, to an unknown God. Now, Paul doesn't deny that God is essentially unknowable. We search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him. 
he tells the Athenians, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. God is mysterious, timeless, eternal, and God transcends our depictions of her. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, Paul declares, does not live in shrines made by human hands. We ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. In other words, God cannot be limited to human imagination or physical materials. God cannot be bound or depicted in silver, gold, or stone. God, who is eternal, cannot be frozen in time. God endures through all time. We are here for now. God is here forever. God watches history unfold. And sometimes, God watches history unravel. The night before we left the country, we didn't dare to venture outside. The streets of Athens were burning. Protesters marching towards Syntigma Square in a confrontation with Parliament. Some of them were smashing bottles on the pavement and setting fire to cars and dumpsters overflowing with trash that had never been picked up. We stayed in our hotel, gathered around a television, where we learned that in Libya, Muammar Gaddafi had just been killed in the midst of another country's political unrest. And given the state of things in Greece, we weren't even sure that we'd be able to get home. We did, of course. And you know, today, Athens is a very different place. It's experienced a kind of renaissance in recent years. And in the midst of our global pandemic, Greece is leading the world in its disciplined and measured response to the virus. It's a reminder that, as people often say these days, this too shall pass. And it will pass more quickly if, like old Socrates, we act accordingly. Athens is a city trapped in time, bound by its passage and the flow of its currents, just like every other city in the world. It's had its ups and downs. History unfolds, unravels, and stitches itself together again as years go by. In the midst of all change, there is one constant. The God who made the world and everything in it. He who is Lord of heaven and earth. To echo Paul, God does not live in shrines made by human hands. God is not bound by our art or our imagination or our concept of time. God is immutable, unchanging, and abiding. And that means God's love for us is too. You see, God is not an indifferent observer to history. Now, I don't believe that God has a plan per se, but I believe that God has a will for us, just as we have the free will to follow God's teachings or not. And when we follow Christ's uh, commandments to love one another, when we practice grace and compassion and patience, we fulfill God's will. God built the stage, but we are the players. 
We may be trapped in time, but we are free to decide how that time plays out. We are the authors of history, past and future. Whether tomorrow is better or worse, well, that depends on us. As I was helping my son Ethan with his homework the other day, he kept on procrastinating. What if there was no time? He wondered aloud, getting philosophical. I suppose this homework assignment would never be due. If there was no time, I replied, your homework would never be finished. God exists beyond time, and God's work, our work, is never finished. This pandemic, this crisis, this too shall pass if we are patient. But how and when and what happens next is up to us because we are not powerless. The sword, after all, is powerful like its master. Amen.